What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of After the Lights. This is your host, Lexi, and to my right is my co-host, Danny, my dad. Probably should mention that. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to episode two. And we're going to talk about the Bahrain Grand Prix, reviewing it, our IndyCar weekend, comparing the two different types of motorsport, and our thoughts on season five of Drive to Survive. So please continue listening if you want to have the next hour of your life filled with all motorsport entertainment. So I feel like we should first talk about our past weekend. We went to IndyCar this past weekend because it's in our neighboring city, not our home city. So how did you find that, like the comparison between IndyCar race and an F1 race? Well, yeah, it was it was in our backyard. Yeah. Right there in St. Pete. Um, so we live in Tampa. You know, there was a lot of um, things that I didn't really uh, think about beforehand. Uh, we were fortunate enough to be right in front of the pit. Yes. So we got to witness a pit stop, which was completely different than that of an F1. Yeah. I feel like it took forever. Yes. I, I think so, too. It was... I'm used to seeing pit stops that are... 2.3, three second is a bad pit stop. They were there for like four seconds. Uh, even longer, I yeah. thought. I, I thought it was pretty crazy. Uh, but that was kind of like the norm for all the teams. Yeah. So it was a little different to get used to. And it was 100 laps. Yes. Yes, that was a long race. It was a long race. And I think there was two or three crashes. Yes. There was two red flags. So it went on for... For a hot minute. It, it sure did. In fact, the first crash was in the first lap, I think yes. on turn four. Yeah. Uh, it was it was interesting to say the, to say the least. Yeah. The, the cars are not as fast Mm-mm. as that of an F1. They're still fast and it takes you a minute to be able to have your neck catch up to them going by. But it was it was pretty exciting. There was over 100,000 people yeah. over the weekend. Which is pretty interesting. And we were able to um, go into the paddock, which was a blessing. Um, and Thank you, Lexi, for that. <laughs> You're welcome. My bank account hurts after that, but that's, that's, that's neither here nor there. Um, but I liked the paddock. I thought it was cool. We were super close to cars. McLaren, I think, has three cars. So we got super close to them, saw like the mechanics working on other ones, which was super cool to me. Mm-hmm. But... I don't know if I necessarily would have done the paddock like two to three days. I feel like if you buy a pass maybe just for Sunday, you would, you'd be okay. I think so too. I think that you can really take advantage of everything that the paddock has to offer in really one day. Yeah. It was though nice to be able to see the different uh, cars uh, in some cases, the drivers were right there in front of us as they were uh, leaving their cars from the yeah. pit. So you, you're you in very close proximity to a lot of the drivers. You can see a lot of the work that's going on. Uh, so there's a lot of a lot of access yeah. uh, to them. I think that's the biggest difference is, and I don't know if it's maybe just with Americans and Europeans, but you can get so close to the drivers at an IndyCar race. Where we were sitting at, we were down at the bottom of the grandstands, like an ADA seating. Mm-hmm. So you could walk right up to the railings and you could like listen in to the drivers talking. You could see all the pit crew. You could yell and they could hear you. So, and there was no security. 
Yeah, I I agree. That that was that was pretty exciting. I yeah. thought it was interesting and exciting to see how close we were able to get to the pit crew. Yeah, see what's going on. Actually, if you have a pit pass, you are right there, up and close and personal with them yeah, because right you're able to see everything that they do. That is a, a big difference from that of F1. Uh, although, if you have a pit pass at F1, you might be able to see some of those things. But we're talking about people that had a pit pass and were down there during the race. That was what I found crazy about it. Yes, was I was assuming that they're going to like usher people away. Yeah, like I, okay, everybody. Go I thought away. so too. I was waiting for that to happen, but it was it was pretty pretty uh, crazy. Yeah, that they still allowed people to go and be right there where the tires are at. Uh, they were literally ten feet away from where they were doing the pit stop. Yeah. Um. So it was just that that uh, culvert or whatever that was there that that separated them. But it, it was it was pretty cool though. I thought it, it wasn't something that we would experience at F one. Yeah. But it was pretty cool to see everybody hard at work to do that. And then something that was also cool was we saw Roman Grosjean yes. get pole position, right? Which was super cool. And I believe like it has been several years since his incident in Bahrain, right? So it's like a little full circle moment. And he was leading the race for quite a bit. Oh, I want to say probably eighty percent of the race he yes. led. Yes, and then he tried to make a move. It just didn't work out for both him. And the uh, the driver in front of him, because he was running in second place at the time, so it really knocked him out. The driver was able to regain, but it put him in in the very end. So it was a lot of a uh, a lot of twists and turns to that. There was there was quite a few accidents. So as you said, two red flags. Uh, some of the accidents were pretty horrific. I thought. Yeah. Um, one particular car went right over another car, so it was. Uh, it was nail biting. Yes, I, I I thought we experienced we experienced all of that all while getting sunburned. Oh yeah, that's a <laughs> one thing for sure. There isn't much uh, areas for shade there, so if you ever go to see a uh, Indy car, at least in St. Pete, uh, where we were just at this past weekend, uh, bring some sunscreen, bring a a, a big hat or something. Uh, because you are going to be, get burned, and we could see that with you. Yes, my tan lines are embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, but but you still look. Good. You, you even look good. you even called me ombre at one point. Yes, because of my tan. Yeah, lines. I, I well, I had to say it how it was. I had to say it how it was. <laughs> Let's jump into a little F one now that okay. uh, we were able to experience with the Indy car, but our true passion is F one. Is F one? So um, should we cover the physical first race? Or Drive to Survive? Let's go into a little bit of Drive to Survive. Okay. Touch on that a little bit. I know a lot of people have already seen yeah. the episodes. If they're like us, we kind of binged them. Yes, we did. Uh, so that was that was nice. But what, what were your thoughts on the, uh, the entire series? Well, I was listening to another podcast a few days ago um, called The Last Lap. I don't know if you've ever watched them with me. But one of the guys on there was talking about how he doesn't watch Drive to Survive for the races. He's like, I have already experienced the races in real time when they were occurring. He's like, but I watch it for those behind the scenes moments, those little interactions that we never get to see throughout the season. Like right. for instance, that team principal meeting where yeah. Toto kind of popped off. Yep. Those things is what he likes to see. 
And he says that he wishes there was a little bit more of them. And I was like, man, I agree. I wish there was more behind-the-scenes stuff that they show that was like an exclusive to the series. I, I would have to agree with that statement. It's, it's interesting because we would have never known about that meeting. We may have known about the meeting, but what happened in the meeting we would have never known. And I'm sure there's more stuff that happened in the meeting that we weren't privy to. Yeah. Um, I know Chris Horner took, his, took the time at that point to really tell Toto what he thought about his car. Yeah. Um, and so, but in good Toto fashion, I think that uh, Mercedes is going to come back with a better car. At least a lot of people hope so. We want to make this this 2024 season. 2023. Excuse me. 2023 <laughs> season. Don't age me. I'm um, only, only going to turn 23. Um, we want to make this 2023 season uh, something of a nail biter. Yeah. Uh, like a 2021. Yeah. But with more teams. I mean, that's what I would like to see. Yeah. I also feel like in the series, one thing that was, that blew up, which everybody knows, was how in Brazil, that infamous radio message between Max and Checo. Yes. And you know, there was a lot of drama that came out about that, that maybe um, Checo sabotaged qualifying in Monaco. And I felt like they didn't even talk about it. Yeah, I, you know, I tell you, Lex, it was, I was hoping to see a little bit more on that, uh, but who knows what happened behind the scenes where they may have said, we don't want that part on there. And in order for you to get Max, that can't be on there. I mean, we're just guessing here. Yeah. But that was juicy. That was something that people wanted to know a little bit more about. But let me ask you, do you actually think that Checo purposely went into the wall around that corner just to sabotage? I feel like that's so dangerous. And granted, I'm not a racing driver, so I know fear and danger. I feel like they don't really think about it once they get in the car. Mm -hmm. They can't think about it. But to me, I'm like, you're risking so much to put your car in the wall for qualifying. Like that doesn't, to me, that doesn't make sense. And that's not a smart or strategic thing to do. Yeah, I, you know, I, I thought about that. I'm thinking two things that he would put in danger. Number one, his physical self, he put himself in danger because he doesn't know how he would come out of that crash. But the second thing is he could have ruined a perfectly good power unit. You yeah. know, so are you going to do that and risk now being put at the end of the grid um, just because you want to sabotage the race? Doesn't make sense. It doesn't yeah. make sense. And for, for Max to have um, felt that way really tells you where his head was at at the moment. Uh, I, I just, I don't, I don't get it. I felt like they should have elaborated on that a little bit more. And quite frankly, if Netflix succumbed to uh, an order from maybe Red Bull to, in order to have Max on there, then they did an injustice to their viewers. A hundred percent. I was talking to someone, I think it was mom, and I was saying how I feel like the producers um, and the filmers for the series, their obligation should be towards Netflix and not towards the F1 teams. Right. Now, granted, it's easier said than done, so I'm not saying that, like, oh, why don't you do this? But I do like the drama aspect of it, and I think a lot of Americans do like that drama aspect of it to bring in more fans. And I felt like if you're obliging to the F1 teams and to the drivers, they're never going to want any bad publicity. Right. Or any negative talk. Right. So then the series is going to easily become mundane, become boring, and it'll be very repetitive season after season. 
I I have to agree with that. And I I think what the viewers are wanting, and I think Netflix knows what the viewers want. Uh, Netflix has been around for a long time. This Drive to Survive series, uh, in my opinion, has it's really taken off in the States. Yeah. Um, I know last year at Austin, they said that there were record crowds over 460,000 over the three-day period. That's a lot of people. That's a hundred. I mean, that's a lot of people. And I think Netflix really had something to do with that in people uh, looking at the uh, at the Drive to Survive series and really being interested. It really whet their appetite a little bit. Well, I know that's how we got involved with it, yeah. and a lot of other people got involved with it. So for for me, I just I felt like they they really missed the mark when it came to that. But how about? the actual episodes in themselves. I mean, what did you think about the episodes? I mean, how they had it structured this year? Yeah, I feel like it's become kind of the same structure a little bit. Mm -hmm. And one thing that they showed a lot of was Joe Guangyu's crash. Right. They showed it, I think, like three or four times. Mm -hmm. But yet his interview was like 30 seconds long. Right. He sat down, he's like, hey... They were like, wow, that was scary. They, like, yep, yes, it was. And then they like moved on. Yeah, I think uh, I think they also missed the mark on that as well. He deserved uh, more airtime. I, I agree with you. But I, I also think that, you know, by them not doing that, they're, they're really not opening it up to their viewers to be able to really experience other teams. So they're only able to experience them while the race is going on, yeah. you know, or in qualifying or in practice. They're really not seeing more behind the scenes. I remember um, in uh, one of the uh, episodes, not from this last Drive to Survive, where they really focused on George Russell Mm -hmm. and how it came about that he earned that position. And I would have liked to have seen that a little bit more with Joe Joe himself and maybe with some other drivers as well to just kind of whet my appetite. I want to know a little bit more about some of the other drivers, more in depth, the good and the bad. Yeah. Uh, Because then we could... Take that. There are certain drivers I don't really care to follow. But if you give me some insight on them, I may want to follow them a little bit closer. So maybe some of the teams in the next Netflix series for Drive to Survive, hopefully there's another one. But in the next series, maybe they could really focus on that, on the drivers for the team. I'd also like to see the pit crew. I want to know a little bit more about them. When we're seeing these guys coming in and out of the pit crew, you know, you're at least able to say, oh, yeah, I remember that in Drive to Survive. Yeah. And so it just creates another level of interest, I think. Even also, too, more, learning more about the females and the women behind the sport. I was reading an article um, from Females in Motorsport, which is an incredible Instagram account. Please go follow them. And they were saying how season five had the least amount of airtime for women. And it's been decreasing little by little. Which kind of blows my mind because Red Bull's lead strategist, Hannah, is a woman. And she's obviously been killing it. Their strategy is incredible. So why not, either she doesn't want to do it, she doesn't like the spotlight, or why not highlight her or other women in other teams and give them the time to talk about how they got into their position or even what they find difficult about it. Lex, I I, uh, I agree with you 100%. You know, Hannah, we can't even say that Hannah at Red Bull has one of the best strategies. I know it takes a team to strategize, but as the main strategist there, we can't even say that 
Well, she's one of the best ones. She is the best one. Yeah. I mean, look at what's happened last year. Their strategy killed it. Killed it. When you think about them against uh, the Ferraris, uh, the the Mercedes, um, they were very minimal in making any type of mistakes. Therefore, that was one of the few things that they actually had to worry about. They could really just concentrate on the car and, and the driver. The strategy... Uh, which was left to Hannah, was unbelievable, hands down. Yeah. And I agree with you. I, I think that there should be more focus on the women of F1. I know that that's something that Toto's wife is concentrating on now. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm hoping that that really evolves because there are a lot of women in F1 that really bring a lot of uh, greatness to the plate. So we know that Hamilton has been... Uh, categorized as the goat. Yeah. But there are also goats that are women when it comes to their positions in F1. And I would love to be able to see more of that. 100%. So, I feel like now we seem to jump right into the meat and potatoes, as they say. And the first race. First race happened, qualifying, everything. It was incredible, kind of. So, I feel like Practice is practice, even though I know you love to watch practice. I love to watch it all. All of it. He's like, don't spoil it for me. Don't say anything. Yada, yada. But qualifying. Now, I feel like qualifying, Max got pole. Right. Obviously. Um, And honestly, I don't really think there was much to stand out about qualifying. You know, I don't think that there was much other than the fact that it seems like Mercury, uh, Mercedes. Mercury, Mercury the fish. What am I talking about? I'm <laughs> thinking about fish. my fishing days. Uh, Mercedes was kind of all over the place. Uh, yeah. P1, P2, people were saying they're sandbagging. Same thing with Ferrari. They're sandbagging and that they're going to come around. They're going to turn it up. And in P3, they turned it up a bit. But then in qualifying, it was the same old Mercedes from last year. And Ferrari, what I didn't understand with Leclerc was, he had. It seems like he had an opportunity to stay in the car and run another lap to try to get pole. Uh, but when they interviewed him, he felt that they were fine right where they were at, uh, which unfortunately they should have probably gone back in there because the outcome of the race was not favorable for him or Ferrari in the least. Yeah, and actually speaking of qualifying, I just remembered that with Lance Stroll, he is only, I think had his wrist accident like two weeks ago. He's very much still recovering from this. He has wrist um, like bandages on his arms, and he had to be helped out of the car Right after qualifying. Yeah. He wasn't even able to get out of it by himself, which to me shows you how resilient and tough these drivers are, not just physically, but mentally. Right. Because your body could be hurting, and you could very easily be like, your mind be like, nah, I need to rest. Yada, yada. Yeah. But he was like, no, like, get me in the car. Let me drive. These guys are competitors. I mean, these guys are true competitors. They're uh, taking Lance Stroll just as an example. Um, He just came off of his accident, wasn't even able to go to testing. Um, So in Bahrain, the uh, qualifying, that's his first uh, practice in qualifying is really his first opportunity to show what he has in this car. Yeah. To be familiar with the track, although he ran there last year, to be familiar with the track and 
uh, for him to come in. And I think at one, there was one scene where when he was making his turn, he had to take his hand off of the steering wheel and just kind of help it to turn mm-hmm. um, in, in, a, in, a, in a way that I thought to myself, in fact, I remember telling you, well, this guy's going to have problems. He's yeah. going to have problems. There's no way that he's going to be able to do this race. And with, with the, uh, his wrist being that the way that they are, uh, there's no way. But yet he did it. And he placed well. Right. He placed in six and he split the Mercedes. Yes. Which right now I don't think is very hard to do. No, uh, no it's not. I, I think that when he when he came in six, that told me a lot about the their car. It told me a lot about him as a driver, and it told me a lot about them as a team with Alonzo and, and the um the pit crew. Uh, these guys are there to take over where Ferrari left off and didn't accomplish last year. Yeah. And so what their goal is, they're not looking for a Mercedes. They're not looking for Ferrari. They're looking to be the number one team constructor-wise and championship-wise. They're going to push uh, Alonzo, which is a seasoned veteran there in that team. And along the way, Stroll is going to learn a valuable lesson where his time is going to come to be world champion. Yeah, I think that Aston Martin came out guns blazing. And I feel like they were very coy in their delivery. Being like, you know, we expect... They weren't going for the podium. They weren't shooting too high and letting people get let down. Which I appreciate. I feel like I don't think you should show all of your hands. Mm -hmm. I think you want to exceed people's expectations rather than disappoint them. I agree. Just Uh in life. Um, And... He was secured his first podium since 2014, Alonzo. That's that's crazy. With his that, debut. Right. And I I have to say that that was, to me, incredible. The way that that car was functioning. Now, he lost a couple of uh, spots early on mm-hmm. in the um, in the uh, first uh, uh, first lap. And that's where Hamilton came up, and he gained a couple of spots. Uh, but it was, it was still a very early race. Uh, he came back. He did his pit stops. They told him to just relax. It was uh, it was all going to work out. Uh, they had a very good strategy. And in the end, they really trusted their car. They trusted their car. They trusted their driver. And it shows. He not only took over Russell, he took over Hamilton, and then he took over Seitz. Yeah. If there was probably about 10 to 15 more laps... I honestly think that he would have taken over Perez and Verstappen. They have a quick car, and if they can continue to utilize that quick car and their strategy in the right way, we're looking for a good, good season out of F1 this year. But I do have to bring out Ferrari. Ferrari is one of my top teams. Right. Top three. And I was so annoyed this entire weekend. It started with practice. Seitz had like a little incident where he lost control. Right. And I think I visibly, I think I actually like yelled at the TV screen. I kind of remember that. And I was, mom was like, oh my gosh, what happened? I was like, no, just my driver. Um, and then qualifying, neither one of them won. And Leclerc got top three, but then he stopped, mm-hmm. which he could have gotten pole. Right. And then the race where it started off good. Leclerc was able to pass Checo 
and he was up into second, and it was Red Bull, Ferrari, Red Bull, Ferrari. Before the first turn, he passed him up. Yeah, which was great. And then it just just all went to crap when his um, engine, I believe, or his gearbox, something, went terribly wrong. Yeah. Car shut off on just him. Just shut and, off on him. And uh, I could only imagine the frustration that he had. But I, I, I will say it's not to take it away from Ferrari and, and, and us discussing Ferrari. But going back to Red Bull, Red Bull's strategy, they weren't even phased. Hannah, as the strategist there, wasn't phased in the least when Leclerc and Seitz came in as an undercut. They kept Perez and Verstappen out there for a few more laps. Uh, and, and, and it still worked out to their benefit. It's, I'm telling you, I think as much, and honestly, can I just say that? The more you talk, the more you sound like a Red Bull fan. So I'm really going to have to think about about cutting you off as co-host. If no, you keep... not, not at all. I, I, I love all the teams. I just, you have to give credit where credit is due. But I have to say, Max in that Ferrari, is, in Ferrari, in that Red Bull is phenomenal. Yes. He is, it's electric. He, as much as I hate it in my heart, he will run off into the distance Every single time and be, I think this, this time he was like, he ended the race being 10 seconds in front of Checo. That's crazy. That's, you that's literally, crazy. The, the commentators were like, well, we haven't seen much of Verstappen today. Not much to report. He's just been chilling out there doing his thing. Yeah. I, I tell you that, that part of it, I don't like, I want something that's competitive. And I'm wondering sometimes if uh, that things like that keep up, uh, how many people they will lose that will lose interest in watching F1, um, at least for this year. I hope that that doesn't happen. That's not what I want. But I know that just after the first 10 laps, Verstappen was was up six and a half seconds over Leclerc. Six and a half seconds over Leclerc in the first 10 laps. If I was anybody else, I would just say, I'm turning the TV off. Yeah, it, it gets to be... I don't want to say boring, because I don't think the sport can ever get boring. But it gets to be mundane, you know? Like, you start pulling out your phone, you start scrolling on social media, having the race's background noise. Because as much as you're like, dang, this guy is incredible, you want there to be action. You want safety cars. You want there to be overtaking. You want someone to have a bad pit stop. You want all of that. And when it gets to be where a team or a driver is so phenomenal, and you lose that, you're like, well... All these 24, 23 races start becoming the same, no matter what country you're in. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you on that. Let's kind of switch it up a little bit, though. Let's talk about Gasly. Okay. Uh, here we were thinking, wow, Gasly, his debut at Alpine, what's he going to do? I mean, right. he started in the last row yes. as the 20th driver. And what did he do? Killed it. He got finished in P9. And I have to say, I put him as wanting to beat Ocon this season. I'm so sorry, Ocon. Um, and Ocon had a nightmare race. Oh, fuck. Nightmare race. It was, it almost became comical when the penalty sign would pop up on the top of the screen. Because I was like, oh my gosh, pobrecito. How much more can he go through? Right. It was almost like at the very end, he just said, let's just DNF this. Yeah. There, there's no sense in continuing continuing on 
I, I felt bad for him. I really, really did. Uh, because these guys are they're training. They're, they're, this is the first race of the season. And they their expectations are different. Everybody, Every team's expectation is different. Williams probably did not go into this thinking they're going to win this. Right. Right? Alpine probably did not go into it saying they're going to win this. But they have their expectations of where they want to place. And as a driver, your first race, that was deflating. That was deflating for Ocon. But on the flip side to that, as we said a little earlier, um, Gasly uh, ran one heck of a race, started in 20th position, ended up in ninth. Mm -hmm. And that was good. That was good. He ended up in some points, got some points there. And at one point, he actually had the fastest lap, uh, which was excellent. Uh, I'd like to see more out of Alpine. I really, really would. I thought that Alpine and... And uh, Aston Martin were going to be the ones that were going to go head to head, but now seeing what Aston Martin is doing there with Fernando and and Stroll, uh, I got to put them in in the top three teams for sure for this year. Yeah, with, without a doubt. Now, if they can have some good strategy, which they had some pretty good strategy uh, on Sunday at Bahrain, but if they could keep that up with some good strategy, I think they got a good chance, a real good chance. Out of constructors and a world championship. I really do. Mercedes right now, once again, they have a lot of work. A lot less than what they had last year. They were working on porpoising last year at this time. That's gone. But they're running a car with no side pods this year. And they felt like that was the way to go. I wonder if Toto is going to say halfway through the season, we got to scrap this. This is not going to work for us. But whatever they do, they got to do it now. Same thing with Ferrari. Uh, to make sure that if they want to stay in this for the constructors, they're not fighting for second like they were last year. They want number one spot. Yeah. Um, and right now, that's for Stappens to lose. I know. And another heart, I feel like this race really, I just kept getting my heart broken. Mm-hmm. I just felt like all of my drivers were just, they were taking L's this, this weekend. Norris was another oh. one. Wow. Where I was just, felt so gutted for him yes he went into the pits six times throughout six the race times six times to continue to recharge his system unbelievable uh, unbelievable i mean zach uh the ceo there did say that they did not have high expectations for their team in the first half of the season or at least the first quarter of the season and we see that to be true um their other driver, what happened to him? DNF. Unbelievable. His rookie debut, DNF. So it, it was one of those things, you know, Piastri, again, he was probably thinking, wow, this is not what I had in mind for McLaren. All the while, what do you think Ricardo's doing? There were so many memes uh, about Ricardo just like sitting back and being like, huh, well, look what happened now. Yeah. I was like, man. I just, I felt so bad. I, and also, I was like, at what point as a team, when it comes to Lando, do you just say, like, let's quit it? You know what I mean? At what point are you like, okay, enough is enough. Let's just put him out of his misery and retire the car. Because now, like you said earlier, you're wasting engines. Your pit crew is getting exhausted because they're going out there eight times throughout the right. race. Right. And your driver is, I think he was a minute behind and got lapped. So he has no 
chances of getting into the points or getting any position creditable. Right. He actually came in after Hamilton, a lap back. Yeah. Which was crazy. Crazy. Why they would do that, I'm not sure, other than to continue to evaluate the performance of the car, uh, continue to evaluate the pit crew. Uh, but it, it was uh, it was disastrous, disastrous. I am sure that that is not what they even remotely had in store or had planned for their team. Uh, for, bo- for both uh, Lando and Piastri, that was truly not the start that they were looking forward to for 2023. No, but I do love... Um, I think it was in his post-race interview, Lando, they were asking him, like, you know, what can you take out of the race today? Asking him, baiting him, basically, you know. And he said, you know, at least all of the pit stop crew got their exercise in, and we know that we can do a good pit stop in a few seconds. And I was like, aw. Yeah, I I, uh, I saw that. I, I still think that that's got to be eating him up. Yes. Uh, Lando is in it like like the other 19 drivers are which is to win a championship. And I'm wondering if Lando is starting to think, is this the team that I could win a championship with? I know. We have those conversations a lot, but genuinely, when you think about it, where else can he go to? There's really no place else. Right now, (laughs) there's no other place that he can actually go to. Everyone is always on the hot seat, with the exception of just a few, maybe a handful of drivers uh, that are veterans that they really cannot uh, expend themselves from from that team. Lando, I would consider him to be one of those drivers that McLaren would not want to get rid of. But a lot of it depends on Lando. Yeah. Lando is not going to get younger. He's still a very young driver, very aggressive. I think he could be more aggressive. I, I think, in my in my opinion, but. Is McLaren the team for him to win a championship? Does he want to wait it out? Look at somebody like Fernando, who went from Alpine, whatever those talks were, to bring him over to Aston Martin, and whatever it was that they showed him that was seems like top secret worked. Right. It's paying off from we're in the first race, but practice, testing, quality. It's all showing that that team is going in the right direction. Someone like Lando is looking at that and is saying, why can't we be there? Yeah, as he should. But realistically speaking here, um, Max isn't going anywhere. No. Okay. And it's, it's well known that it's difficult being Max's teammate. You are constantly going to be compared to him. And if you're not hitting certain numbers, you're going to get cut. Okay. Mercedes. We have no idea when Hamilton's going to retire. Mm-mm. None. No. And Russell is obviously there for the long haul. Right. Okay? And then you have Ferrari. Both drivers, I believe, are signed for another two seasons. Right. So. Well, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. They may be signed for another two seasons. It doesn't mean that they're going to stay there. Um, we could go back to Ricardo. Ricardo still had another season under his belt at McLaren. They chose to give him $18 million to walk away. So is that something that that Leclerc could say, I don't want to be here anymore? Why would they want to keep someone that does not want to be there? Now, this is all speculative. Leclerc has not said that. But Leclerc wants to win a championship. 
I have to ask the same question that we just asked about Lando. Is Ferrari the team that Leclerc feels will win him his championship? Are they showing him that that is the direction that they are going in quickly? That things have changed from 2022 to 2023. Still early in the season. But are they showing him that we are improving and we can get you to that championship stage? Now, you have somebody like Mercedes. Now, Toto came out publicly and basically said, we will get Hamilton to his eighth championship if I have to get out there and push him. Mm -hmm. So they are willing to invest whatever it takes to get that championship for Hamilton. Mm -hmm. Is Ferrari willing to do that? I hope so, because I would love to see him win his first uh, world title at Ferrari. He's been there for a very long time, and I know there's a lot of sentimental reasons behind him being at Ferrari. Um, So I would love it for him to win. But then again, like you said, at what point do you have to kick in that selfishness and access that and be like, okay... Is it going to work out long term here? Realistically speaking, am I going to get my world title here? And if not, what other options do I have on the table for me? Right. And I'd have to disagree with you with one thing. I wouldn't consider it to be selfishness. I would consider it to be this is what these guys have been dreaming of since their teenage years of driving kart racing is to be a world champion. If they, this is a business, and if they can't get that with the team that they're on now, they do what Alonzo did. Mm-hmm. At his age, to go somewhere else, and the team entrust that he could bring home a championship, these other drivers now are watching that. Yeah. They're looking at that. And I agree with you in the sense that Leclerc would want to win a championship with Ferrari. But at what point do you feel like, I'm going to have to cut these ties in order to get what I want. Yeah. I think I call it selfish, not in a bad way. I think you need to be selfish in certain situations a thousand percent. I think where people could take it as selfish is when you look at the fact that how much money, how much energy, how much time they have invested into him and building him up to be the number one driver, kind of like Oscar Piastri. Alpine invested so much into him and then for him to technically turn around be like no I'm thinking about myself I'm going here was the right move for him it was selfish but hey he needed to do that for his career so I think it's about every driver and do they listen to their selfish instinct or do they say no I'm committed here and I'm staying here okay you've proved me wrong you you're <laughs> you're right it, it, it there is some some selfishness to that. I I would like to see somebody like a Leclerc win another championship. And quite honestly, I'd like to see somebody like a Fernando before he retires win another championship. This could possibly be the last team that Fernando races for. And yeah. this could be the best opportunity that he has to win another championship. And so for him, I feel like he's going all out. One of the highlights to me from the race yesterday was uh, the duel between Fernando and Hamilton, and then the duel between Fernando and Seitz. Uh, Perez and Verstappen were long gone. Yes. Um, So the cameras had to really 
keep our interest in what other way to do that than to find different duels that were going on in order to to show us that. But I, I think that Fernando feels like this is his time. Yeah. And he is going to capitalize. I do like the fact that he's scrappy. I like the fact that uh, he, he takes chances, calculated chances. Uh, the ones that he took with uh, Hamilton yesterday were beautiful. Yeah. No they one ever up. ran anybody off the track. Nope. They gave each other enough space. It's almost like, like Fernando was saying, I have a faster car than you and I'm going to prove it the right way. Yeah. I like that. And also, too, his overtake on Hamilton was not in a DRS zone. No. No, it wasn't. Which is also another incredible thing. Not knocking anyone who overtakes in a DRS zone because I can't overtake, period. <laughs> but if you if you were, it was pretty cool to not overtake. So, thinking, wrapping it up, coming into an end, we don't have another race until the 19th of March. Ugh. Which absolutely sucks when you get so excited you have testing you have the first race and then they're like well jokes on you we are going to make you wait two more weeks i'm gonna go play golf on sunday <laughs> i gotta do something <laughs> so basically i won't see you until the 19th oh uh, no you'll see me but not on sunday not, <laughs> not on, sunday. on sunday i tell you I, I they they added races to the um to the itinerary or to the schedule this year uh there's a a, a total of uh, 23 races mm-hmm uh, this year, so I know that they have to take time off. Uh, what's going to be crazy is when they take the summer break off. Ugh, I don't want to be. That's like three weeks. Man. Oh, I know where they can't do anything. There's literally no F1. But if you stay tuned to our After the Lights F1 on Instagram and TikTok and uh, with our podcast, uh, you won't be left to assume or to be missing anything because we'll cover everything on there man i've trained you so well ah yes you have yes i you love have. that media training <laughs> <laughs> well I, I tell you um it, it was uh it was an excellent race i would have liked to see how to see some different things go on but hey we still have 22 more races a lot of highlights that are going to be brought out a lot of exchanges i think if total keeps to his word Mercedes will be fighting for the title, hopefully. But more important than that is I want to see a four-way title bout. By that, I mean I want to see Red Bull, which is obviously going to be in it. They're very strong. But now you have Aston Martin into the ring. Keep Ferrari in there. And let's make sure that Mercedes is in there as well. And in the end, the last few races... That's where you're going to get a lot of coverage. A lot more people wanting to be interested in watching F1. You throw into the mix there, one of those last few races is in Las Vegas, a party town. It's going to be at night. That is going to be crazy. Yeah. Let's see some mixing up of the teams there. And if we could add another team onto that other than those four, that's great. But I know that that's what F1 F1 is looking for. More teams in the mix. Any way that we can make that happen, I think it's even better for the viewers. Honestly, you killed that. So I don't have much more to add to your sentence. So thank you guys so much for listening us ramble for 45 minutes, probably around there, about the Bahrain Grand Prix, Drive to Survive, our little IndyCar weekend. Clearly, we are becoming a motorsport family here. So there will be much more entertainment to come And we will talk to you guys in a couple of weeks after the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. And don't forget to follow us on TikTok and now Instagram 
after the likes F1, we are going to be posting constantly a bunch of random things. DM us, comment, do whatever you like, and one of us will be replying. Most likely me. <laughs> but my dad might be replying here and there. Well, I, I tell you, I send us questions. Um, let us know what you want to know about in our next podcast. We'll give you a shout out. But at the same time, uh, we wish everybody a great two weeks before our next F1 race. And like Lexi said, make sure to check us out at After the Lights F1 on both TikTok and Instagram. And we'll see you soon. See ya.